once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C-Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. We are here today with Patrick from Metal for Africa. Uh, He is a journalist, musician. He has a lot of experience in the industry, and we're really excited to have him here. So first, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. We're very happy to have you. Thanks for the invite, guys. Great to be here. And uh, so for people who really aren't aware of what you do and who you are, do you want to just give like a brief overview, the nutshell version of Patrick from Metal for Africa? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm effectively the founding person of, of what Metal for Africa is today. Um, so I've been in the organization the longest. Um but it kind of started out where, you know, when I entered the metal scene in Cape Town, South Africa, as a musician back in the early 2000s, we didn't really have much in the way of media or journalism or, I mean, the internet was practically non-existent in this part of the world, at least. So um, I was part of a group of people at that time who just decided we needed to do something to make ourselves visible on the global map. Because what we also found was, um, when was it, 2006, I think, when Sam Dunn did the global metal and all that jazz, like Africa just did not feature. And we assumed a big piece, a big part of the reason why is because no one could find information about us. So Metal for Africa was the beginning of solving that particular problem. And yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. So just to follow up on that then, so how, so it was just you and how many other people just, just before I ask the next question? Um, well, initially it was just myself and my flatmate at the time. Um, but when we realized, hell guys, we need to do something. Um, we actually just called a bit of a meeting consisting of a lot of the active bands and musicians of that time in our city. Um, and so we became a bit of a, like call it a voluntary organization as it were. Um, okay. And we had to learn how to do what it was that we set out to do. <laughs> so then, okay, so now just that kind of leads into my next question. So did you have a background in journalism and writing or was it just like you decided, hey, I'm doing this and that's it? No, none at all. <laughs> I mean, so, um, I've, um, you know, like I do a lot of reading. I enjoy reading a lot of magazines. I like reading interviews about the bands I care about. Um so from that point of view, it's like I had a good sense of what I wanted to see in text when it came to writing up stuff. Um, so yeah, what do they say? Fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah. I think we're all pretty familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess, I guess the next part of the follow-up question to that would be, so how does one kind of get the balls to kind of do something like that? Because I mean, you kind of, I mean, you, you did, it's a massive undertaking. You never yeah. done it. So kind of how do you kind of motivate yourself to do that? Um, I think a big part of the early days motivation was ignorance is bliss. <laughs> we didn't know yeah. how how vast a task it would end up becoming. Uh, yeah. you know, to something we thought, well, let's do this in our extra time, you know, in yeah. addition to whatever our, our uh, nine to five work was, whatever band life we had at the time. 
you know, we would find a way to do a bit of extra work, you know, a couple of hours per week. But um, yeah, that didn't work out in the long run. <laughs> it uh, became a monster. Let's put it that way. <laughs> how, how much time do you actually do, though, per week on this? Um, yeah, that's a tough question because um, in terms of what Middle of Africa does, um, it's not just a blog anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, we have branched off into live events and we do a lot of things which are, how do we say, kind of like community centric. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I find the biggest demands on my time is actually more of like a, what do we say, like a bit of a scene diplomat even. Yeah. Um, sorry, that's my mom, everybody. <laughs> coming Hello. for a tissue <laughs> and off she goes um yeah so it's um yeah like for me it's almost round the clock um where where journalism is actually the smaller part of what i fill my time with these days uh, a lot of the time it's negotiating with bands and venue owners and technical suppliers and all that kind of stuff um so yeah, it's become a very, 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 like I say, it's become a monster, <laughs> very multifaceted monster. Interesting. And uh, so for probably most of the people in the world, the African metal scene is, is kind of, you know, left in the dark. It's the dark continent, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we've heard both that there are robust like pockets within the metal scene over there. How do you yeah. find bands to feature? Is it is it difficult being where you are, or is the scene more robust than we would expect those of us who aren't as familiar? Yeah, um, sure. Well, one part of that which is difficult for me to answer is, to be honest, my lack of firsthand contact with a scene outside of Africa. Mm. Um, I mean, I, oh. I've I've only travelled uh, twice, and both times were just to attend. Um, sorry three times <laughs> it's counting <laughs> Vakan. um so i've traveled three times and each time was to actually attend a festival abroad and you start to get a sense of how big the world actually is outside of africa <laughs> mm -hmm. um but as you say in pockets absolutely um i think something that uh, blew my mind about being in europe was um how close everybody is to each other geographically speaking and how far flung our pockets of urban areas in Africa really are. I mean, um, if I want to play a gig in another city, um, I have to travel 1,600 kilometers. I don't know what that translates to into miles. But it's it's, yeah, it's, it's okay. pretty far. I can convert it, so it's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, you know, not, yeah, so that's about two hours by air, which is okay. But not a lot of African cities are actually um, economically accessible by air. Um, so, you know, if we want to travel to another African country, even in Southern Africa, um, road transport is the only way to make it viable. So, yeah, we do exist in pockets mostly. It's not that we never get to experience um, each other you know, in terms mm -hmm. of geographic locations, but it's rare. And and when we do cross-pollinate, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, really great experience. So I think we do have, because of our relative isolation, we are quite robust. I mean, I've been mm -hmm. situated in, in Cape Town and operating in Cape Town for the last 18 years. Um, and we've seen the sort of ebb and flow of the scene. You know, nightlife comes and goes in sort of waves, as it were. But we're still here and we're still going, you know, even in spite of the pandemic, 
Um, we're still going relatively strong, um, at least in the context of how we can be, you know, and I'm saying this also from a point of view that we've become quite entrenched in events culture. I mean, Middle Africa has its own um, biannual festival, which we haven't been able to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but our but our fan base is keeping us afloat. You know, they're buying the t-shirts and um, donating when we do the online events, which is what we've now gone to. So yeah, more robust, I think, than people would realize. And what would be the most like robust or exciting areas right now? Because I mean, I know that there's a big death metal scene in Botswana and, and whatnot. Yeah. So what would be like the the two or three most exciting pockets within the uh the industry um when you say so you speak in kind of geographically geographically or, or yeah like genre. Let's go geographically all right all right um yeah well Botswana is definitely one to keep an eye on I've only had the mm -hmm. privilege to actually go there uh, one time in 2018 um and it was I would say that journey for me was almost spiritual to go and experience that because of how unique and in their own sense, how isolated they were for so many years. But when you go and you hang out with those guys, they've been doing metal for like two to three decades, um, you know, but we've only learned about them since the you know coming of the internet into that part of Africa. Mm -hmm. So to go and interact with them has been pretty amazing. Um, and I had the privilege to actually play that festival, which was also amazing, but it's kind of like, um, it's not, to the same standard that I think a lot of people unfamiliar with Africa or the Botswana scene in particular would really um, expect, you know, it's a bit rough and ready. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, in Cape Town, we actually took for granted how well um, established we are from a purely technical point of view. Um, you know, when we started our metal shows, you know, it was also a bit rough and ready, but we've advanced you know, the access to equipment, we have the access to media services and stuff like that. Uh, but there, it's like, they just make it out of what they have available. And even their outfits. I mean, if you've heard of Botswana, you've probably seen pictures. I mean, they, they, they make their metal outfits. So they truly are unique. I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, geographically, Egypt used to also be something really um, worth looking out for. But I believe from what I understand, their scene has somewhat imploded a little bit in recent years. I think a lot of it has to do with um, political and, yeah, you know, like sort of outside factors that the metalheads themselves can't necessarily overcome. Mm -hmm. um, lack of venues, lack of support. Uh, when I say support, I don't mean from the metalheads, but I mean from the infrastructure of state. Uh, mm -hmm. not, not that we have a hell of a lot of that here, but we can manage. We can manage. I think they're hard done by. Um, so apart from Botswana, um, uh, Egypt is worth keeping an eye on because if they can research, they have such great talent. Um, and then I like to say um, Cape Town, <laughs> my mm -hmm. home city, obviously a biased opinion because I'm from here, but it's obviously the scene which I know the most intimately. Um, and our other urban center in South Africa, we call it Gauteng, but that encapsulates um, the city of Johannesburg. But Johannesburg has grown so large, it absorbs two or three other cities. <laughs> so it's quite a, yeah, it's quite a vibrant um, nightlife there. So you see a lot of stuff happening all the time. 
it's a great place to go and gig. Um, mm-hmm. We had a major festival there a couple of years ago called Witch Fest, where I think there were about 14 international extreme metal bands who played. We'll probably never see something like that again. <laughs> but the guys from Witch Doctor Productions, they put put their um, head on the chopping block, so to speak. Um, and I mean, that was probably the best weekend of my life. But yeah, so Johannesburg is a great place to 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 go and experience metal culture from an African perspective. I don't know. Does that kind of sum it up? Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> oh, definitely a oh. great answer. Hmm? And, and Angola. <laughs> I just Angola- have to throw oh. that in there. <laughs> yeah. No, tell but, me more and- about that because I, I'm not familiar with any metal from Angola. Yeah, yeah, same. Well, you see, that's the thing. Um, if you are in South America, you would probably be a lot more familiar with Angola, but because their um, primary non-African language is actually Portuguese. Oh, then they have a big audience in Brazil. Yes, yes. And there seems to be a lot of um, communication and travel between Angola and uh, Brazil. So they've actually got quite a thriving scene, which to us took a long time to realize was there. But once we got like eyes on it, it was actually pretty impressive. (laughs) That's um, okay. So, that's interesting. So now between just, just out of curiosity as a follow-up question. So would you say Johannesburg or Cape Town is like the actual best spot like, for South Africa? Like for metal? the epicenter. Um, yeah. When is it? Cause it seems like you're like you and Lyle are both in Cape Town. Yeah. And I don't know anybody. <laughs> Johannesburg? It's hard. Yeah. Um, I almost get the sense. It's a bit of like a relay race. You know, um, (laughs) there's there's times where Cape Town's on fire and all the guys from Johannesburg want to not only come and play down here, but they want to come and attend the shows down here just as just as fans. Um, But then often we feel the same about there. So it's like, yeah, it's like a it's like a relay race. (laughs) You know, it's hard to pin down, you know, something starts up in Cape Town and then Joburg or Johannesburg catches wind or vice versa. So. I won't say it's competitive per se, but there's a good um, there's a good dynamic, a good cross pollination, um, and like I say, as far as flights go, it's only two hours. Um, so for us as as Cape Town, it's the most accessible scene, which is not our own scene, and vice versa. Johannesburg has got another city not too far far from them. It's only six hours by road. Is uh, Durban, and yep. Durban also has its time of shine but it, you, you know that ebb and flow of nightlife culture through the years you know like in cape town we we see more um rapid spikes and dips whereas if a city like urban gets a dip you know it usually lasts a couple of years before it picks up again um i don't know if it's the same in the rest of the world but that's how we experience metal and nightlife culture here what about pretoria out of curiosity is that I mean, that's basically Johannesburg, isn't it, or no? We tend to refer to it as the same place. That's why I say oh. Gauteng, which is the, you know, it's the province. Oh. Yeah, um, I knew that. But, but Gauteng itself is such an um, urban center, which consists of um, Johannesburg, Santon, uh, Centurion, and Pretoria. It's like a little string of cities, but they're so interconnected. We think of it as the, as the same place. Okay, no, that makes sense. So then, okay, so now, are you okay with discussing touring in Africa? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, as best I can. <laughs> no, no problem. So, well, well, I know the first thing is that I know most international bands don't show up there because of the fact that 
there's nowhere to play other than really Cape Town and Johannesburg. Yeah. Um, so how did the bands themselves that are local, like what is kind of like the touring road, I guess, is what I'm trying to find out. Yeah. Um, well, you find that the bands who are most active with touring play mm -hmm. mostly just between the two major urban centers of um, Johannesburg and Cape Town. But yeah. the Johannesburg-based bands have a similar relationship with Durban just because of the proximity. So mm -hmm. it so it actually depends more where you are, what your tour life is going to look like, you know, because of expense and accessibility. Cape Town is tough because you know geographically we're we're almost like an island. You know, we've got yeah. the ocean to to the um, to the west and the south. To the north, we've got like a desert with not much going on there and then we have a little string of other smaller islands up the uh, east coast so for us to tour we would typically just try and hit the larger cities by road and um, we would try and do like the small cities and towns like you know the uh, the weeknights and try and just be in in Johannesburg Pretoria by the coming weekend so we'd start in Cape Town sort of polka dot our way up north um, and end up there and then just head home. <laughs> That's all there is. Um, in terms of border crossing touring, we don't do that uh, really as part of a national and then international. Oh, international sounds so grand, like we're going far. Yeah. <laughs> but to cross the border, yeah, that that's that's usually a once-off visit, regardless which other African country you're visiting, because yeah. it's usually by road. Um, air is just too expensive. Um, I think the air routes within the African space are challenging because there's not as frequent travelers as in other more developed parts of the world. So it's not to say we can't get anywhere by air, but it's, yeah, it's inhibitively expensive. Well, too small too, wouldn't it be? Like most of the other places I wouldn't think would be metal hotspots. Not really. Oh, sorry. Speaking of hotspots, another place worth checking out is Kenya. <laughs> sorry. Kenya. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that just occurred to me a bit because when you said hotspots, I was thinking, well, where else would we consider to go? And probably Kenya might be worth worth a visit. But yeah, um, there's no financial assurity with any tours, even just driving up to another city. There's no financial assurity. So so doing touring in Africa is 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 costly, um, and I think that's why for a lot of internationals to visit us, um, a lot of them shouldn't expect to make much except perhaps their basic whatever their agent negotiated for them. Um, mm -hmm. But the challenge is a lot of the promoters don't have the wherewithal to survive if they have a show that doesn't succeed. And I think mm -hmm. that's what we saw with the, you know, with the that massive witch fest, which was such a amazing experience. But I doubt we'll ever see something like that again, or at least not in the foreseeable future. And so, with Africa being as isolated as it it kind of is, um, where do you see most of the the metal scene drawing its inspiration from? Like over here in America, we get a lot of inspiration from, you know, the Scandinavian regions and Germany, uh -huh. and we pull from those areas, but you guys are so much more isolated than we are. And yeah. so where, where are bands pulling from and, or are they just kind of hearing something and then building something completely unique? 
I think that depends also, again, where you go. So in the South African context, um, yeah, we're isolated geographically, but not mm -hmm. technologically. Um, mm -hmm. And that has applied since, you know, since the 70s and 80s too. But, you know, technologically, at least in terms of, we had access to um, cool magazines um, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And in those magazines, we were part of the whole uh, tape trade culture that uh, came with print magazines. So um, we've always had access to music. We also had a history of like quite a conservative government. So a lot of stuff was like not allowed to be sold in the country, mm -hmm. but that didn't mean we couldn't get it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that, made um, it that made it more fun yeah. to get, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it just made it cooler to like yeah. be a part of that um, because it had that such an underground feel about it. So yeah, like in terms of inspiration, um, if I had to describe the South African metal scene, I would say a lot of what our local bands offer, oh, I'm going to get hate for this, but not entirely original. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of us felt, I mean, I speak for myself as a performing musician, a lot of us felt like, well, it's unlikely we're ever going to see a monomath playing in Cape Town you know, yeah. complete with Viking boats and all that stuff. <laughs> so, so we just took it upon ourselves to say, well, that's the kind of music we want to headbang to and share with our friends. So, you know, we would take inspiration from, from whatever bands it was that, that blew our minds. So I think a lot of the local bands do have quite an international flavor, you mm -hmm. know, um, but that's not to say you don't get some good stuff, um, which really infuses a bit of, um, a word they used on here, some Africanicity. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so we have bands like, um, there's one in Cape Town called Ill System. They've always had some really weird crossover stuff going. The guy would use a, there's an African drum called a djembe. You would use a djembe on stage quite a lot. So very rhythmic and percussive. But then you get bands like, um, there's a band from Togo in West Africa. I don't know if you guys have a concept of where that is, but it's very close to mm -hmm. Nigeria. Um, mm -hmm. And they're called Arcano, Arcano, however one says it. Um, mm -hmm. But they really have a beautiful infusion of their um, ethnic African musical culture and like completely um, merged with, you know, good old fashioned Western metal. <laughs> Um, I, so I absolutely we, love bands like that. So I'm over here taking yeah. notes, writing down all these names to look good, up Good, good, do it, do it. In fact, let me then also just add, there's another one from uh, Zimbabwe, which is south mm -hmm. of our border, uh, called Dividing the Element. Like, check that out too. I know them, I, I know them. she knows them, you know them. Oh, good, 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 yeah, yeah. I've worked with them. So, like, yeah, yeah so in some Corey that's how you know them mm -hmm. uh, no I know them yeah okay cool I wasn't sure if you she got it go go ahead so in truth we we don't have a lot of bands that that like that like have that unique flavor um you know that well when I say unique like I'm not saying they all copycats but that unique African flavor mm -hmm. we don't have a great deal of bands sounding like that but we have a lot of a lot of cool bands <laughs> mm -hmm. um but you can compare them quite easily with, with stuff that you know from your own countries. So I've got a question for you, just as a final question, I think, we're, unless Corey's going to have a follow-up, which is always possible. Um, uh -huh. so 
I know that one of the problems that you guys have down there with recording uh, is the lack of electricity that can sometimes happen with the load shedding and stuff like that. How do you, how do you work around stuff like that? Yeah, well, in retrospect, we're lucky to be having a conversation right now. <laughs> really? For today? You know, with the electricity, it can be a bit erratic. Um, but yeah. yeah, we do have a situation in South Africa, and I know that other African states have similar issues. Um, yeah. So I think in the South African context, we're reasonably fortunate in that the scheduling of um, downtime, you know, with load shedding, the scheduling is still reasonably predictable. Um, you know, once we know that we're in a stage of load shedding, then then we are informed as to when it's going to impact us in our um, municipality. Um, but it's a real pain. I mean, it doesn't only get in the way of recording, but it gets in the way of um, uh, gigging. You know, we can't always afford to have a generator on standby. Um, but it also gets in the way, speaking of affordability, it gets in the way of earning money. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> to, yeah to finance all these wonderful things. Um, so no, it's, 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 you know, it's the wild west out here, but it's our wild west. We love it. <laughs> um, just, just one more follow up on that. So, so they actually tell you when it's going to be happening. It's not like, a because Gary had told us uh, from nuclear winter, I, th I think it was on this podcast, might have been my old one that uh, yeah. they don't get old and it's just, it's out. Yeah. Is so, that he's, so he's in Zimbabwe, which yeah. is, it's a neighboring state to us, yeah. but yeah. they're on a completely different power grid. So however they manage that, but I mean, Zimbabwe is notorious for just um, the worst governance <laughs> yeah. and all of that. And, you know, South Africa has its pros and cons, <laughs> but at yeah. least when we are going to be impacted by uh, load shedding, at least we are most times given fair warning. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's hard to plan like a festival, for example, um, where we're not going to be dependent on a generator. We can't actually plan that because usually when we're going to get load shedding, the kind of notice we will get will be within 24 hours. Really? So to plan, yeah, That's it awesome. could be worse. It could, you awesome. know, it could be worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so to plan things that are going to be in a couple of weeks or a couple of months time um, comes with that challenge. Um, so luckily with our Medal for Africa festivals, when we were doing the physical festivals, um, we, we could at least plan and financially plan to, to, to have a generator backup. And we have used it. We have needed it. Um, but better if we don't have to spend that money, you know. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. um I think, I think I've got all my questions answered. What about you, Corey? I've got all my questions answered too. We definitely awesome. appreciate you coming on here and, you know, shedding a little bit more light on the African metal scene. It's, I mean, I've got bands I got to go look up now. So <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, um, Good. <laughs> Patrick, can you say where you want people to follow you like on social mediums or just your website? Yeah. Uh, check us out. Um, we're obviously on Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, the usual stuff, Twitter too. Our handle is uh, Metal 4 Africa, the digit four, kind of like you see it on the shirt, but without the, the two-way four thing. Um, yeah. Or you can just find us at our own website, which is uh, metal4africa.com. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we try and keep that as up-to-date as we can on what releases are happening 
mostly in South Africa, but from around the rest of Africa as best we can as well. Um, and well, the events side has been a bit quiet, but we've had a fair amount of um, heavy metal tourism. So when, mm-hmm. when physical events are a thing again, we'll be keeping up to date with what's happening where. And uh, people can always just reach out to us if they want extra info. You know, we're, we're, we're talkative people and we mm-hmm. love sharing cool. our scene. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, thanks for being here. Uh, and I'm going to end off with party on, Corey. Party on, Curtis. Party on, Patrick. Thank you. Party on. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C-Squared.